Laura, what you making? I'm just putting my finishing touches to my shrink ray. Shrink ray? That's not real, right? A hundred percent real. I got the blueprints off Etsy. Does it work? I don't know. Nobody's brave enough to let me try it. Never mind brave enough. How about stupid enough? Ooh, works for me. Nath, I spilled iron brew in here. Can you come look it up? Iron brew? Made in Scotland? From girders? Where? Show me. It's right there. In front of that massive laser looking thing. Here? Is it here? Left a bit. Left a bit. Okay, stand there. Uh, I'm not smelling any iron brew here. Hit it. Oh shit, he's gone. Hey, what the hell is this bullshit? <laughs> he's tiny now. He looks like a Polly Pocket. Oh, put him in my pocket. Ah, what are you doing? Put me down. Okay, the machine works. What can we shrink now? How about the CN Tower? How about a blimp? I don't know. I was thinking we could shrink the podcast down. That way we can, you know, do something else instead. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I have laundry to do. All right, let's do it. Neat. So see you next week. Uh Uh-huh. Have fun. Come on, Tiny Nath. You can help me fool my socks. Why do you have so many Tootsie Rolls in your pocket? Quiet, you. Wait, what about the Iron Bird? Okay, so if you had the the shrink ray from this movie, what would you either shrink or enlarge to make your life substantially easier and or better? I would enlarge my paycheck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But wouldn't it just be just the same amount, just bigger font? (laughs) The bank would just hate me. (laughs) Yeah, you'd have one of those like giant charity checks. That would be amazing. (laughs) I'd just go into the bank and be like, me again. And then they are just... You just fill the backseat of your car like Happy Gilmore. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> just flaunting your money. Or or creating awareness of like the like the pay gap. <laughs> what is it? I'm trying to make up for something. If a big check, but the tiny numbers on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think for me, what you know how like there's those things on YouTube where it's like, will it waffle? Like for me, it would be like, will it slide? So I'll just like take whatever object I think are cool and just increase into the biggest amount uh, they could be and then see if i could slide down it. wait 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 what the fuck is will it waffle you know like you're like oh cool well like this pancake if i put it in it will it waffle if i take these marshmallows put it in a waffle iron will it waffle oh you mean cooking things in a waffle iron <gasps> oh my god i have a waffle iron i am so going to be using that for cooking everything this week yo it's like it makes those perfect crisp edges everywhere like a potato is fantastic in it <laughs> cohen bought me a, a waffle iron so that i could do that but with tater tots delicious just put a bunch of tater tots in there Make waffle fries out of your yeah, tater tots basically cool. two tater tot like whatever sandwiches make a tater tot sandwich oh if you put like cheese in there wow i've been totally misrepresenting my waffle iron i've just been using it to make fucking waffles none of this occurred to me you know yeah right <laughs> See? And so with the will it slide, I'll try to like use it to like, I don't know, get a YouTube social media presence where I'm like, wow, this is now a grand scheme. So like our Way first off smile, small would like, I don't know, like, look, a Twizzler and I'll like slide down it. And I think my finale would be like taking like two DNA strands and then blowing it up <laughs> and then seeing if I could slide down it. 
That would be my finale. <laughs> DNA Helter Skelter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then million subscribers. There we go. That's how I'll thank them. Actually, yeah, you would become a YouTube legend if you did that. Amazing. Monetize that shit. Yeah. And then I'll go over to Laura like, see, big paycheck. <laughs> yeah, man. They would definitely be they would definitely be into you because you had giant DNA and not because you had a machine that could enlarge <laughs> things to that size. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be my side business. I'd be like, DM me for requests. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Patreon. How many guys do you think are going to DM you asking to fucking supersize their dicks? Come on. Mm-hmm. I'll just send them back their YouTube policy and then say that goes against it. I assume, right? <laughs> I love the idea that Roddy's going to policy some like weirdo <laughs> on the on Twitter or something. Like, and then it'll be like, if you have a problem, go talk to YouTube and then YouTube will hate me after that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the final straw. I'm sure, Roddy. <laughs> Whatever, I'll expand DNA to the biggest point. And I'll just take all those big things and then now go into amusement park rides. Back up plan. I, I would uh, enlarge my living space. Mm-hmm. Toronto space is at a premium. I mean, I, 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 you know, I would want my apartment to feel palatial. I mean, it would mean that the toilet would be like a bunch of times bigger. And What about when you need to get like something from a high up kitchen cupboard, though? You're going to have to like literally scale it like Everest just to get like salt or something. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. I already have to do that. So. Hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> would you get com- permission from your landlord first? <laughs> yeah, that might be a breach of your tenancy rules. You're not allowed to resize your apartment. <laughs> Or I'd shrink myself so that the same apartment... That's good thinking. I like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. As long as I could grow back bigger again when I walk out the door. I think you could just literally do it. Because if your landlord does come in, like they could be like, well, it's not in the contract. Do you see incredible shrinking and growing rate in the fine print? (laughs) Roddy is just out to policy everyone tonight. I don't know what the deal is. Yes. For some reason, honey, we shrunk ourselves. makes me think about documents and forms. I would use the shrink stroke enlarge ray to enlarge our audience size (laughs) so then we could um we could maybe get some of that better help ad money Mm -hmm. double the audience size why not you know then we'd have 12 listeners oh (laughs) jesus welcome to bad with numbers a podcast where we talk about terrible sequels i'm neff joined as always by laura hey ruddy hey and megan Hey. This week on the show, Director Video Month continues as we talk about Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves from the year 1997, directed by Dean Cundy. Uh, not Dean Cundy's first appearance on this show. He was the director of photography for Halloween 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Back to the Future Part 2 was him Woo-hoo! as well. He did the first Back to the Future. He was the DOP on Halloween. He shot Jurassic Park, but this was his first movie as a director. Um, whoops. This guy. Anytime that... I don't know, man. I I was really looking forward to it just because of how beautiful everything usually is. So what happened? Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, this movie, kind of ugly, but yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, were you guys familiar with the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise? Yep. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so yeah. (laughs) The second one was on TV a lot for some reason. I was going to say, that was the thing, is I always saw it on like the Disney Channel and such, but I never actually sat down and watched any of the franchise until now. I thought it was just a dream I had as a kid until it showed up on Disney later when I was older. I'm like, oh, this movie's real? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um I definitely saw the first two in theaters, as is often the case with these movies. Uh, I remember really digging the first one. I've seen it quite a few times. Still holds up. It's still a fun adventure. It's super sad when that ant dies in it, which I never thought I would say I felt sad about an ant dying, but here we go. Oh, I remember that. Honey, I blew up the kid. I yeah, it's, I watched it again this week. I didn't need to rewatch the first one because I've seen it so many times. Honey, I blew up the kid I hadn't seen in a long time. I watched it. The first 30 minutes are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a kid standing around in the Nevada desert for like an hour. Not so much fun. I had no idea that this movie, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, existed until we started programming stuff for this fucking podcast. Mm-hmm. I did not know that this... Uh, I don't know if it even got a release on VHS in the UK. I have a feeling it probably showed up on the Disney Channel at the end of the 90s. I was blissfully ignorant to the existence of this one. Me too, until I looked at a Wikipedia list. Yeah, same. Shall we do a little background on this franchise? Sure. So the original Honey, We Shrunk the Kids was brought to Disney um, as a project called Teeny Weenies in the mid-80s with a script written by Ed Naha, Stuart Gordon, and Brian Yuzner. Gordon and Yuzner are mostly horror guys who worked on like a bunch of iconic movies in the 80s and 90s. Most notably, Stuart Gordon directed Reanimator uh, and Brian Yuzner directed Ye Gods 1989 Society, a movie whose third act is so deeply fucked up that it left a permanent scar on my memory. Have you guys seen Society? No, what's that about? Uh, it's like a satire of um, Beverly Hills kind of like upper echelon society. Billy Warlock from Baywatch plays this kid who's kind of like struggling to feel like he fits in with like his kind of hoity-toity socialist pair, um, socializing parents. Um, and then, you know, spoilers for a movie that came out over 30 years ago. It transpires that his family are actually all monsters mm. uh, and they all have massive orgies with one another that basically turn into shunting parties that involve them doing things like literally sticking their heads up their own asses. It just devolves into a load of goo and violence and horror. Roddy, I thought you'd seen this movie. Oh, no, I did. I just wanted to hear you explain it. (laughs) Because I didn't want to explain it. Because it's a very gory thing to to explain this movie to somebody. You're like, I know. That sounds pretty fucked up. Just watch it. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's a great movie, but it is. And I I kind of feel like having told you this now, I've kind of ruined the great thing about it. I'm sorry, but it's still worth watching for the special effects. The visual effects in the final act of that film are just bonkers. Does it count as a horror? Absolutely a horror movie. Body horror. Oh, okay. Uh... Oh yeah, Megan, that's a good point. It is body horror. You may struggle with that one. Body horror. Anyway, the first time I Shrunk the Kids was uh, directed by Joe Johnson, who we've also talked about before on the podcast. The movie came out in June 1989, a week after Tim Burton's Batman premiere. Oh, God. And it kind of rode on that movie's tailwind to a huge $130 million gross. Mm. Um, Its success was definitely helped along by the fact that it had a Roger Rabbit short film attached to it. This was like the year after Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out. So they uh, they stuck this movie called Tummy Trouble on as a short at the start. I remember that. And they even like marketed it on the post posters and everything so it was kind of a part of the draw of this movie but it also had like fairly positive reviews like critics were into it you know they said yeah. it's a, a nice wholesome family adventure it was kind of like mm-hmm. the alternative for families that maybe thought tim burton's batman was going to be too dark only critic who didn't like it was roger ebert who straight up fucking hated it nice yeah well he was wrong about stuff sometimes he had opinions sure <laughs> um the sequel gets greenlit and thus Honey, I Blew Up the Kid opens on July 17th, 1992. It was directed by Randall Kleiser, who made Grease. 
Mm. It was originally called Honey, I Blew Up the Baby, but apparently they wanted to change that because it had negative connotations to an exploding baby. I don't know. (laughs) Honestly, I'm glad that they went with the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids instead of what, Teeny Weenies or whatever you said it was? That would also have connotations that are a little not on the mark. Exactly, right? (laughs) Yeah, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, uh, um, it wasn't as big a hit as the first one. It did like 60 million domestic, so it's about half of what the first one made. Mm-hmm. And it kind of wasn't as well received either. Um, like I say, it kind of it starts really strong and it has a lot of really good visual gags at the start. But once the kid kind of gets out of the house and starts running around Nevada, it's uh, it kind of grinds to a halt. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, there were plans for a third movie. Uh, with Carrie Kirkpatrick, who also wrote Chicken Run, Over the Hedge, and The Spiderwick Chronicles, penning the script. Disney head Jeffrey Katzenberg, boo, yeah. wasn't yeah. keen on it, so it got shelved for a while. Eventually, Nell Scoville and Joel Hodgson were brought in to do a rewrite. Joel Hodgson, of course, was the original star of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It was that Joel Hodgson? It was that Joel Hodgson. Weird. And Scoville, well, you know what TV show she created? Sounds familiar, but I can't place the name. I bet you it sounds familiar because she created Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh. Um, the good Yay! one, not, not the murky Netflix one, the, the good one Excellent. with Melissa Jones. The Jernhardt. first season was decent, but that's another story. <laughs> So Disney hired Dean Cundy to direct. Um, you know, he's obviously looking to branch into directing, uh, having built up a very solid career as a cinematographer. Uh, you know, he's just a guy with like a real eye for framing magic on the screen. Like when I think about like the shots in Jurassic Park of like the reveal of the dinosaur or the DeLorean disappearing between uh, Marty and Doc, the, you know, that's all iconic stuff that this guy has shot, mm-hmm. which just makes it more baffling that how flat this movie looks. But, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. Did Disney decided that having had a lot of straight-to-video success with their animated sequels like Return of Jafar, Mm -hmm. they decided they were going to test the water with live-action sequels. So Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves actually got relegated from being a theatrical movie to a DTV movie before production began. This movie was greenlit originally with a budget of $40 million. The actual budget that it was made for was $7 million. They sliced... 33 million off of this thing. Yeah, it kind of shows. Absolutely. Uh, Dean Cundy like rendered a lot of the effects in his own home, on his own home computers, because they just didn't have the budget to do anything different, which is madness. I'm trying to imagine how hard Dean Cundy cried himself to sleep after finding out about the budget cut. How the fuck am I supposed to do that? I'm genuinely amazed he didn't just fucking walk, right? Like, Yeah. I, I mean, I've heard of movies having their budget sliced before, just before they go into production but to literally take 33 million dollars off a 40 million production is bananas that is just insane an example of where the budget cuts kicked in outside of the visual effects work the party scene in the movie and i'm sure we're going to talk about it in a little while so much the party scene was originally meant to have 150 kids at it and in the movie there's like eight kids at this party Mm -hmm. it's one lame duck party but uh, yeah Honestly, more realistic. More realistic. Yeah, yeah. sure, I guess. But definitely less cinematic, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Anyway, the movie premiered on VHS on March 18th, 1997. Let's see what people were actually seeing in movie theaters that weekend. So this is the box office for the 14th of March, 1997. Number one that weekend, it was the 1997 special edition re-release of Return of the Jedi. Mm. Nice. 
<laughs> I love that reaction. I feel like we're not much of us are that really into Star Wars. Yeah, I didn't see that one in theaters because I saw the first two, but not the third one when it was released. I missed it. I can't remember why I missed it. Out of all the remastered ones, I think it's the one that they kind of fiddled with the least. I definitely saw it in theaters, but then that's because it was Star Wars. And Roddy, you're saying, I mean, I you know, I was big into star wars back then um oh, yeah. because it was relatively untainted still at that point you know outside of a few like fucking irc chat rooms or usenet groups it, the internet had not dug its claws into star wars at that point mm-hmm. oh, yeah good. when they when a new hope was re-released i knew like fuck all about star wars like i was aware of it i could remember return of the jedi and i could remember certain elements <laughs> But it, uh, I didn't really seriously start to get into Star Wars until I was watching the the re-releases in theaters, minus Jedi, of course. Mm-hmm. Sure. Number two that weekend was Jungle to Jungle, uh, the Tim Allen comedy. Oh God, is that the one where his son like grew up in the jungle? Yeah. It's <sighs> terrible. I mean, I don't like Tim Allen on a good day, and that is one of his worst fucking movies it's pretty bad number three that weekend private parts starring howard stern that sounds horrible (laughs) (laughs) i howard stern was like an unknown quantity in the uk we didn't really know who he was and i remember him doing a massive publicity push for this movie when it came out he was on like all the talk shows whatever and you know he seemed like a fairly affable funny dude uh so i went to see private parts the only thing i remember about seeing private parts is before i left my house to go and see it i told my parents that my girlfriend was pregnant damn well, that's a memory. Wow. Because I did not want to sit in that fucking atmosphere. I just thought, I'm going to let you guys process this. I'm going to go watch the movie about the funny radio man. <laughs> what an exit. That's classic. I take it we're not big Howard Stern fans here, yeah? I don't know who he is. Uh, I've never I've never seen Private Parts, but I did dress up like him for Halloween once. Oh, so you dressed up as the Scarecrow from Batman? <laughs> I, had, I had this long black wig that was all like frizzed up. Not by my own doing. It was just messed up because it hadn't been stored properly. And a pair of stupid glasses that looked similar to his glasses and like i don't know one of my friends had convinced me to go trick-or-treating with them at the last minute and this was in fucking high school Mm. i just slapped together a howard stern costume at the last minute but did you um tell them jokes about your wife miscarrying on a national radio show because that's what fucking Howard Stern did. He's up. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. I didn't even like Howard Stern at the time. I was just uh, number four that weekend was Donnie Brasco starring Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. Fucking great mafia movie, like a legit awesome Johnny Depp performance in that film before he turned into like a fucking wig wearing parody of himself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number five that weekend, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, they re-released those movies super close to each other. So, like, they were just stacking them on top of one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that was the box office for the weekend of March 14th. Let's get into Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. All right, at least I finally know why that guy punched Rick Moranis. Oh! oh. You take that back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Take it back, now. Take it back. I don't mean it because I... F- fucking love rick moranis um same let's before we even get into this film let's do a little rick moranis appreciation he's adorable um, he's a toronto guy he's a toronto guy he's from this city is he really why didn't i know that he kind of broke out in the 80s in movies like ghostbusters playing like the kind of sort of nerdy Mm -hmm. character he's so fucking good in ghostbusters little shop of horrors Mm-hmm. He's absolutely one of my favorite movie musicals of all time. And I think he is just magnificent in that movie. He's got the chops to sing. He is a very sympathetic character. Seymour Krelborn rules. 
I loved him in the original Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He's great in that. Mm-hmm. I think he's a, a hilarious dude. You know, Bob and Doug McKenzie. Spaceballs. Spaceballs playing mm-hmm. Dark Helmet or whatever that fucking character was called, you know. Yeah. This was his last live action movie. He hasn't made a live action movie since this. And it's kind of sad. His wife got sick. Uh, he kind of retreated from the public eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife sadly died and he decided to opt out of making movies and kind of being a public figure in favor of raising his children, which is a fucking noble and great thing to do. Mm-hmm. I fucking miss him. I hope he doesn't show up in this Ghostbusters Afterlife movie. I hope that isn't the one that fucking coaxes him back into films. He doesn't need that shit, right? I got to see him in person a few years ago. Um, Netflix were making a, a documentary about SCTV directed by Martin Scorsese, who I also oh, got I've to heard see about in person. That. It hasn't come out yet, has it? It seems to be taken for... I went to the taping. So yeah. they did like a round table where Jimmy Kimmel was interviewing all of the SCTV cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rick Moranis was there. Martin Short was there. Catherine O'Hara was there. Mm. Um, it was great. Huh. But this, I went to that taping in 2018. And that documentary still has not surfaced. I kind of wonder if we're ever actually going to get to see it. Anyway, I digress. Love Rick Moranis. Yeah. It's absolutely heartbreaking that this movie is kind of his swan song for. Mm. I don't know. His character in the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movies is adorable, in my opinion. I just think he's an adorable little dad who makes dad jokes and invents shit and is somewhat inattentive, but... I use the uh, the term baby man a lot. Rick Moranis <laughs> is a little baby man, and I love him. Can you can you define baby man for us? <laughs> you want to pick him up and put him in your pocket, which in this exactly. movie, technically, you could, right? Yeah. Like, like he's collect you. Must be protected at all costs, little baby man. I mean, my definition of baby man is slightly different, and it means that it's an emotionally stunted person that hasn't mm-hmm. grown up. Um, no, that's baby man. <laughs> that's okay. man baby oh, man baby okay. <laughs> oh, okay all right okay 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 I'm like, I'm just blown I'm like, i feel like i learned the english language more let's <laughs> just complicate things more why don't we um this movie shot in a four free aspect ratio <laughs> is this mm. the the lighthouse ah, uh just kidding ratio nerds i know that the lighthouse was actually shot in one to 19 to one aspect ratio okay so don't fucking tweet at me about ratios all right shut up cohen would have though good thing you cleared that up <laughs> yeah i don't know the, the, instantly this movie feels cheap just because it's in a tv format right i know mm-hmm. it's, it's weird but yeah even when it, like when we were watching Ewoks the other week, at least that was in widescreen. I don't know if they remastered it into widescreen or whatever, but that was a TV movie, and yet it still managed to do the big vistas. Yeah. This movie feels small and not intentionally. And they got a seven million budget. This, this movie feels like, you know on whose line when Colin has to do that bit where he's in front of a green screen and he can't see what's on the screen behind oh, him, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. just kind of has to improv his way through the scene just based on what his his castmates are saying that's what this felt like <laughs> yeah there is there's so much shitty green screen in this movie it drove me up the fucking wall because they're playing off of each other instead of off of the environment most of the time because they can't i'm that weird person that when i saw the green screen i was like i felt like inspired it was almost like an aspirational movie because like hey 
I could do this on my computer. Like, I could make a movie. Like, that's literally how I felt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can nowadays, but you couldn't in 1997. And like, all right, I take issue with a lot of the green screen stuff because they seem to film it deliberately so that everything in the background is perpetually out of focus. Yeah. Like, Orson Welles would be shitting a brick if he saw this movie and <laughs> acting like deep focus never fucking existed. Um, because everything's so blurry and it's just always the actors that are like in the foreground in focus. And when I think about the the previous two movies, mm-hmm. yeah, they had kind of green screen chroma key effects, but they also used a lot of props. Like there is a lot of like mm-hmm. large sets, large props, and it kind of added to the the believability of those movies. Here, everything just looks fake as fuck all the time. Well, I'm sure there was like a producer on the director's back going to be like. That's prop money that we don't have. This felt like it had the same. There was a there was a uh, episode of the second season of the 1960s Doctor Who where they get shrunk down on a lawn, and I swear to God, it probably used up their FX budget for the rest of the season. But like that was made in the 1960s, and that looked about on par with this. Yeah, there you go. There you go. When you're near a shrink ray, out. <laughs> Make sure that no one's going to press the on button. There you go. That's the PSA. Don't store your billiards ball, billiard balls next to your shrink ray that is designed like a Rube Goldberg machine for some reason. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So this Rick Moranis' character has so many of these Rube Goldberg contraptions around his house. I just feel like so many of these are just unnecessary things. Like, what is this fucking mailbox that he's got set yeah. up? Yeah. Why is it such a chore for this guy to walk down his garden path and collect his mail? Why does he have to invest so much time and effort and energy into making this thing that delivers his mail into the kitchen? Why can't he just go out there and fucking get it? It's called... (laughs) I was going to say, it's called flair. It's like, you know, when you go to a fancy bar and like the bartender's doing all these tricks, technically, you could just get the drink. But then you want to be wowed by that flair. I don't, because mm-hmm. it stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean like cocktail, like Tom Cruise flipping his cups all over the place? And you're exactly. Like, and you're like, just give me my fucking yeah, drink. exactly. <laughs> I don't care about you flip-flopping fucking mixers up in the air. I just want my white Russian. Give it to me, please. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of that uh, opening scene of Back to the Future where Marty walks yes. into Doc's workshop and there's this convoluted mess of machinery that's feeding the dog and starting breakfast. Yeah, mm-hmm. just buy They have timed feeders for animals, yeah? You can just buy a timed feeder. You do not need to have all of these contraptions ping-ponging all over the fucking place. Yeah. That's the thing, though, is that I feel as though back in the day that was how you made uh, the future look cool is you no longer had to do mundane mm-hmm. tasks tasks by yourself right so they didn't even think that a timed feeder could be a thing why don't i just flip a switch and then there's a cascade of events that will allow a cup just to pour into my dog's bowl and that's an invention yeah it just seemed as though there was no actual machines that they were focused on but instead the journey to get these contraptions done. But it's also convoluted. The flare. It's not flare, it's convolution. Make sure the ball goes down the slide, flip the man into the pan, and then like drop the little basket on the mess. <laughs> the one <laughs> exception to this for me is, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, is the OK Go video yes. for This Too Shall Pass, which has the most amazing Rube Goldberg fucking setup, and it's brilliant. And it's done for, like, comedic effect. I like that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, 
Whenever I see this shit or whenever Pee Wee Herman has it in his fucking house or whatever, I get stressed. I'm like, this would be so much easier if you just walked to your fucking mailbox. <laughs> Sometimes it works. You like the Final Destination franchise. Well, that's true, but I, I don't really... Oh, okay. All right, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one point for right. <laughs> I like Rube Goldberg machines and Rube Goldberg contraptions if the end result is somebody dying a hideous death. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, you know what? Fair. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, so basically the setup for this movie is is the uh well, you know what? I don't even feel like there is a setup for this movie. No, there isn't. They get shrunk. That's it. Yeah, this movie assumes that we've seen the other two movies and we yeah. already know all of the things we need to. Wayne Zielinski is a, an inventor who, in the previous movies, managed to accidentally shrink his children. And then in the following movie, managed to accidentally enlarge his children. My main question is, why are these children still in his care at this point? Well, technically only one of them is because the other two, I guess, are... Oh, yeah, they booked it. They booked it. They're like, we're having none of this. I guess they're adults now. I don't know. They're probably in college or something. It's not clear. Because there's a huge age gap between the youngest and the other two, right? That's what they made it seem. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. The older sister is barely in the second movie either. She's yeah. kind of she's in it for the first 10 minutes, and then she kind of fucks off the college, and we don't see her again. Basically, Rick Moranis' character now runs his own lab with his brother. His mm-hmm. brother was not previously mentioned in any movie, but here he is. All I know that he was in a Disney Channel original movie that yeah. is a classic, uh, Xenon. <laughs> oh, love yeah. that. He classic. <laughs> so on, this movie had me just by seeing yeah. him in it. <laughs> yeah. The brother was in one of the previous movies. It was played by somebody else, wasn't he? No, the brother's not in either of the earlier movies. Uh, he's played by Stuart Pankin, who was in Arachnophobia. He was also in future episode Mannequin 2 on the move. Uh, <laughs> what he's most famous for, though, is being the voice of Earl, the father character in the TV show Dinosaurs. Nice. Uh, I thought he sounded familiar. Oh, that was a grim yeah. show. That show's ending is one of the bleakest fucking things I've ever seen on a TV screen. Because the, yeah, because the writers were like, well, I guess they got to get exterminated at the end. And the producers were like, ha, ha, and then they didn't realize that they were serious. And they're like, oh. That show ends with your cute puppet dinosaur family freezing to death in a nuclear winter. It is grim. Yeah. Even as a kid, I was like, wait, what? Um, basically what we have here is what I like to refer to as an inverse Space Jam 2 plot. Yes. Rick Moranis' son wants to play baseball, but Rick Moranis wants him to do science, uh, right? Weird. Son's into sports, wants wants to go to baseball camp. Dad is the president of his company now, and he kind of sucks at it. Uh, wife is tired of his shit and wants to go on a vacation. <laughs> Why is she still married to this guy? She has clearly had enough of his shit by the start of this movie. She seems exasperated. She's the most sympathetic character in the movie for me. I felt bad yeah. for her. Mm. No, I definitely agree. The need for that vacation is so fucking real. <laughs> and how she... Honestly, I, I I talked about it last week, but I just got back from Vancouver. That was me on my way out of work. Is nobody is taking this vacation away from me? Get mm-hmm. out of my face! Exactly. It's like her and her sister-in-law are heading out on vacation, and uh, the whole thing just reeks of Thelma and Louise to me. I think they're just gonna, yes, they're gonna fucking gun that accelerator and not look back. That that was one of my notes. I was like, please let this B plot be like Thelma and Louise. Yeah. <laughs> 
she's just had enough of Rick Moranis's shit and she wants out. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a there's a tiki head. Yeah, there's this whole Mr. Tiki Man thing where Rick Moranis has this big totem tiki thing that apparently he believes brings him luck. And this is my problem with this movie and with his depiction in this movie. And maybe it's because I watched the, the second one recently. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like absent-minded and doofy, but... At his core, he believes in science and la la la. So why has he got this tiki man that he believes will bring him luck? It just feels like against his character to have this thing in his house. He thinks it's cool. It was mentioned like three minutes into the movie, but I was already bored by that point. So I got to the very end of the movie where it was like, this is the only thread that really was traveled through the whole thing. And I was just like, wait, what's the, what's the deal with the tiki thing? And I had to go back to literally three minutes in him saying, I bought, why did you buy this? Blah, 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 that it's conversation. It's like from a restaurant or a museum or something. Isn't I don't it? know. Like, yeah. It, I mean, it, it's, I, I get the whole ruse that like he has this collectible and it's really big and awkward and he wants to keep it and his wife wants to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Very relatable. Yeah. Why did it have to be a tiki head? Like yeah. there was like a bazillion different things they could have picked for this. A giant statue of useless uh, invention. A famous scientist. Yeah. Um, you know, a a a portrait of Rube Goldberg. Uh, like, just there are so many things that could thematically have tied into his character a lot better. Just a giant tiki head just seems like a weird, such a weird choice. Do you think maybe there was like another movie that had like a tiki head and like they just maybe stole the prop? Just reuse this? Maybe mm-hmm. and just yeah. add it to the plot. They just so found the script- it on the on the back lot somewhere. I'm like, yeah, yeah this will fucking do. Where, yeah, where they're, where they're like, sorry, we don't have your statue of Benjamin Franklin that you asked for. Uh, we have a tiki head. But it's so weird that the entire plot of this movie hinges on this tiki statue. That yeah. He, he won't get rid of it, so he has this idea that he's going to shrink it. So while the wife and um, his sister-in-law are away, him and his brother go upstairs to use the shrink ray, which apparently is on its way to the Smithsonian, which is a weird place to have a, a thing like that. I would have thought it would have been maybe going to NASA or Area 51. Yeah. That, or something. that big warehouse that they put the uh the, that they put the things from indiana jones in well no the... that's where that's where it's being held in the second movie the shrink ray is being held in that warehouse oh really oh okay <laughs> i completely forgot about literally that. there is a scene where the wife is stood next to a box that says ark of the covenant handle with care <laughs> on it well, they should have put it back in the warehouse. Sure, then. exactly. I mean, it's it's being uh, looked after by top men. <laughs> There's just top men like shrinking and enlarging things. Like, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but yeah, so they go to shrink this tiki statue, and oh, fucking the machine misfires because you keep your fucking lawn bowls above the expensive bit of sci-fi equipment for some reason. Yeah, I will bit one of my pet peeves a little bit with this movie is that like any like logical question that you think an audience member would have with this film they just answer it with like a throwaway line it's yeah. like oh look it's turning on again it's like or it's powering up so we move throwaway line oh don't worry there's no one to press the on button i was like oh okay i guess i'll just buy that instead of you know just like stepping away and just like being safe <laughs> after the events of the first two movies you'd think that they would learn to stay well away from from the front of that thing yeah or maybe have the device that activates your um high-tech shrinking ray not just be a big red fucking button that anybody can press, right? Like, 
Maybe make it a I, little more complex to activate this thing rather than just slapping a fucking button. The billiard button thing annoyed me. The billiard ball thing annoyed me. I, I was hoping it was like the the uh, daddy long legs or a cockroach or uh, something like that. Yeah. When they're in the lab at, a, at his company or whatever, they're, he talks to this lady who's created a device that can translate what dogs say when they bark. Yeah. And apparently all the dog says is hello when it woofs something like that. Uh, come on. I was Love really it. hoping that that would come back again in the movie. Like the t- <laughs> the dog is like trying to get them help, and it's like barking, but like the the translator isn't working. Hi, hey, hey, hey. There were so many things in the beginning of this movie that I thought was like a setup for the fantastical things that would happen when they're smaller. Yeah, like a dog translator, or like there's a whole thing with like the leaf blower. I was like, oh, leaf blower, we're gonna get in the backyard. I was like, no, he's just doing a chore. Where was there a leaf? Where was it a leaf blower? Like right in the that. beginning, it was. Oh, just, okay. Yeah. I mean, also in the lab, they have this thing where they they've invented some kind of drink that makes you turn. Fl- fluorescent to enable people to be able to work at night right yeah and they're just leaving this fucking liquid in like the staff fridge along with everybody's fucking you know iced tea or whatever yeah what the fuck they drink it just on the spot completely unprompted just to prove that it works i'm thinking please please don't drink that that looks very dangerous what are you doing yeah they were inventing they were trying to pitch this stuff that would like construction workers glow at night so that they wouldn't get hit by cars um uh but it would only glow in the stuff area and so wasn't getting absorbed into the blood and then Rick Moranis's character is like oh you should add it to milk because then it'll get absorbed better via the calcium blue 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 um nerd or, uh, or just wear high vis <laughs> just fucking wear high well, vis yeah hold on yeah I, reflective so, coats exactly a while ago i was talking about how i got my loaches they're still doing great by the way i mm-hmm. got them some friends i've got some guppies and they've got vibrant yellow oh, yeah. tummy so i love the idea of there being a future where Everybody has just glowing tummies and they all look mm-hmm. like my fish. I'm sorry. I just imagine a world where everyone's just a Care Bear and just yeah. like glowing <laughs> things. It sounds good to me. So, you know what? Everybody drink up. Have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically they get shrunk and then the wives realize that they they have to come back or because one of their sons has not had his medication or some shit. Yeah, the so the mom of the uh, so there's like their son Adam who was the baby in the in the previous movie and then the other two kids are the are the brothers and they're going to stay at the house as well and the brother's wife she's like this uptight helicopter type mom um and so they get part way down the road and then the she's like oh i need to leave my medication the medication for my son which at first kind of seems like oh it must some bullshit he doesn't actually need although over the course of the movie it's like oh shit he really does need that medication. But is that a real thing? Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. Is that I didn't a real look it up. illness? The, well, the, the main symptom of his illness seems to be that he passes out and could be paralyzed for 24 hours. I'm thinking, like, I've smoked fucking weed that has had the same yeah. effect. I think they're maybe over-worrying about this too much. Yeah, well, it's it's some kind of a um, potassium deficiency, and he has to take uh, the medication, which I guess is a potassium supplement. I don't even... Th- exactly, at, I don't right? think it even is a medication. A banana can cure him, uh, but yet he needs this super probably expensive medication every day. 
Oh, I was just gonna say it's kind of like again when you have like questions like oh I wonder what like the high stakes of this movie is gonna be it's like I know we'll just throw in a plot about the kid needing medicine like that's what mm-hmm. I felt like watching this movie like any question you have about like what's gonna happen it's just kind of like it just feels like th- thrown in rather than like super organic and like really involving <laughs> the wives then go upstairs looking for the husbands because the husbands are, have allegedly gone to some shuttle launch but they haven't they've been shrunk for ridiculous reasons the wives then also get shrunk mm-hmm. what i will say though when they get shrunk i actually my this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the reactions to getting shrunk i felt i would be the same because when the brother gets shrunk he has like this like really painful scream and i was yeah. like oh i feel you like i would be so visibly upset <laughs> if i were shrunken <laughs> and there was no choice like it's scary i wouldn't want to live this that's mm-hmm. true like, they could have died. They literally could have died. Anything that they were doing, like, we've seen Rick and Morty when they got tiny. Like, there's so many ways <laughs> to die when you're tiny. And yet this movie posits none of them because there's not really any much sense of jeopardy in this film for anybody. This movie is super low energy, super low stakes. Like, there's not really m- much in the way of peril here. It, it feels very much like the episode of a TV show. Like, uh, it's, you know, the premise, like, oh, the kids and the parents don't understand each other they need to learn better to empathize with each other's experience and sure i just i just realized that so many episodes of magic school bus were actually more exciting than this whole entire movie (laughs) like thinking about it I will say though this movie features more being tiny than the than the movie uh, downsizing, which was about being tiny for roughly I don't know a third of the thing, Holy and then shit. after that they were just in Sweden or something. I uh, I, I fucking I went to the premiere of downsizing at TIFF, and I was so on board for like an yeah. adult version of Honey We Shrunk the yeah. Kids. I was like, this is Matt Damon getting shrunk and having to deal with all the shit. Fuck me, that movie is dull. <laughs> That movie went so off the rails in the third act. I'm like, wait, sorry, what does any of this have to do with being shrunken down? So whoever was writing that just gave up and they were like, I don't know. That's Alexander Payne, the guy that made Election election movie. (laughs) So yeah. Really? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. Um, Also, (laughs) we should mention that the the daughter of the brother is played by Alison Mack, famously from Smallville, probably more famous for being one of Nexium's top fucking recruiters. Yep. She's now doing three years in jail for her fucking crimes. Fuck her. Like I said, this plot hinges on this Tiki Man statue and the the scene before they get shrunk of them trying to move it up the mm-hmm. stairs. This won't mean anything to you guys, but it will mean something to our UK listeners. It's like watching the Chuckle Brothers. Mm-hmm. I don't know, there was one line that kind of got to me. It's like when the wife was angry at the uncle and she just kind of like, stop like using your interpersonal skills to smooth things. And I don't know why that made me laugh. Because, like, yeah, it's true. Like, some people have really good interpersonal skills and they can make you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. She also says to him something about marital implications of him having a shrink rate. I was like, what What are they using this shrink rate for? Are they doing sex stuff with this thing? I hope not. Yeah. That's the one thing, too, when thinking of this, like, as a, I guess because it's a family movie, but, like, being in the space of, like, the adults with their adults' problems kind of, like, kind of takes away from the fun kid adventure. 
Absolutely, because they're... Okay, so part of the appeal of the original Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is there's a sense of wonder. Like, these kids get shrunk down, stranded in the backyard. There's like a sense of adventure, a sense of wonder. They're trying to figure shit out. Watching four adults be shrunk and just kind of farting around their house, there's no wonder, there's no sense of adventure here, there's no, like, discovery of anything. It's Mm -hmm. very just kind of flat and dull to watch except when they're except when the matchbox car that was kind of cool oh that was great <laughs> love that scene i don't know i feel like the four of us could be more fun than these guys yes well if we got shrunk yeah uh, we should try it <laughs> so it would just be getting me freaking out for the first hour yeah i know oh my god <laughs> and then every yeah. subsequent hour as well probably as well it would just be yeah calming roddy down as much as possible mm-hmm uh, yeah, because like even the scene like where they get shrunk and then they climb this chair like it's no big deal, but like no, that's like climbing a really yeah. high mountain. Yeah, that like, would take should... a long fucking time. <laughs> no, no, because they've got perfect footholds. So if you're letting go, that's on you. Just saying, there's no real kind of skill to that. It's a wicker chair. I honestly wanted this to be like a Disney movie because you know how Disney has this trend. It is a like... Disney movie. No, no, no. No, the trend. I wanted the Disney movie that went the trend of like, what's it called? They usually like kill off the parents to be like, to start the sense of, a, to start the adventure. So I just yeah. thought it would be just hilarious of like, be like, how did your parents die? They were eaten by a cockroach or they died <laughs> in like a Hot Wheels accident. Like this would be the amazing start to another movie. Mm-hmm. But alas, <laughs> we've got something yeah. else. What, the, so basically the kids think that the parents have all disappeared and left them yeah. like a, a home alone kind of scenario. So they decide they're going to have a party. But before they do that, for some reason, uh, Rick Moranis' son, Adam, and his cousin, the other the brother's son, yeah. whatever, uh, decide that they're going to fill a balloon with chili for some yeah. reason. Yeah. What the fuck are these kids doing They make here? a volcano. They make a volcano out of it. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> I was like, I would have done the same. Come on, the hot dog lady had thitty. They make all these hot dog dolls <laughs> and then make a chili volcano with this <laughs> balloon. I'm just like, this is what you're doing with your free fucking time? What the hell? <laughs> that was one of my notes. I was like, chili volcano. These kids have a future in catering. Just get some nachos in there. <laughs> just some, like, some tortilla yeah. chips. You know what? I want to make a, ch- I I I know, make a fucking great. chili. This was like one of my favorite scenes because I felt like, you know, I could see a kid kind of doing that because I used to do the same with like mashed potatoes and like you can do like a whole thing where like as you pour the gravy it's like watch out for the magma right I mean it would have been cool if there had been more of like him using his grudgingly acquired science skills to throw a bitchin party and become like popular because like you know he has like giving the kids a character we don't want that I don't know. I remember the first time being left alone and I got locked out of my own house. I don't know if I would be that creative to, you know, think of things to do. I was just trying to break into my own home. How'd you get back in? I climbed through the window. I fucked up the screen door because I super had to pee and I didn't want to wander around. Because my mom was like, you could have just stayed with the next door neighbors. Like... Yeah, that's always the option, but you never think of that at the time. You think, I gotta get home. I was too shy to go bang on the neighbor's door and be like, can I use your bathroom, please? Also, I imagine this is a time without, like, cell phones, so you can't, like, do a nice text. You have yeah. to actually use your skills of communicating. Yeah. Tell you're an adult that you need. <laughs> yeah. That you lock yourself out of the house. And that they probably will tell your parents, and your parents will, like, like say a bunch of shit to you of how that even happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys' experiences of being like left alone are a lot purer than what my. Oh no! Because <laughs> I just used to fucking raid the drinks cabinet with my friends. That's why I have such an appreciation for sherry. 
Yeah, I guess. Sorry, Megan, go on. Oh, um, they, when they're in Adam's room, the two boys run in and Adam's like, I gotta show you something. And then like their backs are to them and they're like, oh, oh they're looking at something. Yeah. So the movie makes out that they're looking at porn and like Rick Moranis is seeing them looking at porn, right? He thinks that they're looking at a porno man. They're like, no. And then we get the reveal that it's not, it's Sports Illustrated for kids. I'm like thinking, is there like a swimsuit edition of that as well? That's yeah, fucking, yeah. Sports Illustrated weird. and it doesn't even have a woman in a bikini on the front of it sure. it's just a very chaste but like Rick Moranis is like freaking out about this I was just thinking like whose parents react like that when they find out that their kids have been like looking at porn yeah I don't know I think there's some really strict ass parents that like if you were caught with that it's like well I guess I won't see my friends forever <laughs> does Rick Moranis strike you as a strict ass parent in this movie no but I can see where it was coming from oh, like a part of me like the reveal that I was a sports illustrated I was kind of like oh bummer like because I felt that wasn't as realistic as actually finding porn <laughs> but this is a g-rated disney movie we're not they're not going to be looking at hustler right yeah like, I, the whole time that scene was happening like, are they actually doing this are they like wow i didn't think this movie would go a direction i was like oh it's a bit okay cool would have been funnier if they hadn't shown it at all mm-hmm it's the mystery for the- I mean at least it wasn't like an issue of guns and ammo or something right I mean at least it was something fairly <laughs> fucking wholesome right yeah we basically the kids throw this party we get um mini Mila Kunis here in a backwards baseball cap turning up to this party yep so cute damn she looks young what a cute little tot I wasn't expecting her in it actually and then as soon as I saw her I was just like oh and I straightened up a little bit and then she does nothing so yeah she doesn't really have a lot to do and hey waste of time this is uh this is the this is the last time we'll be talking about mila kunis on this podcast <laughs> or is it another girl shows up with a doll oh i felt so bad for this one same i brought you know cindy what i don't actually i don't even remember what she called yeah her doll. and they're like uh we're not into dolls anymore what are we into what are you into now boys i don't remember that shift i really don't i guess like, like, do you guys remember a shift where you like played with dolls, yes. and all of a sudden it's about relationships all of a sudden, or is it different for guys and girls? Maybe it's different. There, no, there's definitely an abrupt shift between like elementary school and like senior public school and or junior high school, where like you know, like when you're getting from like into four, five, six territory, like where. It abruptly shifts from playing with toys to gotta gotta crush on boys now. It was weirdly relatable for me because it looks totally like something I would have done. Up <laughs> to a, a sleepover with like I brought my dolls. It's like we're talking about boys. What the hell? Yeah. Okay. I'll put my dolls away. <laughs> yeah. I have a story here that will make you guys think less of me, and I know you don't think much of me, but um, I'll tell it after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. okay. Curious. Um, yeah, so this party, like, yeah. I don't know, like I say, they, they had to cut the budget, right? So there's only, like, kind of four or five kids show up to it. But yeah, Lame. Roddy's right. That That is more like what, you know, a spontaneous party would be, yeah? Literally just getting excited over chips. That's what the party Yeah, is. they didn't have, like, uh, they didn't have social media to to have this blow up and have a thousand people show up at your house right you have to yeah. you have to make do with ringing around your friends and inviting them over it was literally like showing up to someone's house figuring out what you're gonna get a blockbuster or <laughs> and then like or like rifling through their cds and first off how dated was that line of like what's a record player i'm like oh listen kid oh. <laughs> it just reminds me of those videos where uh 
dads will get their kids to try and figure out a rotary phone now. Sure, when they give them like an original Game Boy or something. Yeah, exactly. And they just can't figure it out. It's just... Those are lame. It's just so boomers can make fun of uh, young people. They don't know how to use a rotary phone. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure that skill will come in real handy (laughs) at some point. But as like... I guess as middle school parties goes, like it was a pretty average like middle school. It brought back memories. Yeah. Yeah. The moms get chased by a cockroach and then they encounter. No, there's like a there's like this whole subplot. It's not a subplot. Whatever. There's a fucking daddy long legs. Oh, yeah. No. So earlier in the movie, um, (laughs) the the mom, uh, the actress's name is Eve Gordon. Yeah. I think she's kind of the best thing in this movie. She seems Mm -hmm. to be putting a bit of effort in. Uh, She replaces Marcia Strassman, who played um, the wife in the first two movies, Rick Moranis' wife. Yep. Um, Sadly, Marcia Strassman passed away a few years ago. But um, yeah, Eve Gordon, she's kind of good in this. She hasn't really been in that much else of note. But earlier in the movie, before they get shrunk, she freaks out because she sees a daddy long legs. And like Adam is telling her, don't kill it, don't kill it. And she's ready to like swat it. But there's no daddy long legs there. It's like an invisible daddy yeah. long legs. Yeah. Like, did they forget to CGI it in? Was that part of the budget cuts that we had they to... They probably ran out of exactly, money. Exactly. We had to imagine that there's a daddy long legs in this kitchen. I don't know. It, it, it felt weird watching it. It pays off later on in the movie. We'll get to that in a bit. But before that, yeah, they run, they encounter a cockroach, yeah, um, and they flee into a roach motel. Hey, they do exist. After yeah. All. Oh, yeah. That's what that was. I thought it was like a glue trap. Yeah, or it's kind of that's what they creepy. were. Yeah, it's basically the the cockroaches go in it and then yeah. pull their own fucking legs off trying to get out. It's grim. Yeah, I was gonna say, regardless, like whatever it was, I I was disturbed and I didn't want to ever note that scene yeah the the mom gets her foot stuck and then rick moranis has to run back in and save her i'm just like take off your fucking shoe just take your fucking (laughs) shoe off just leave it yeah doesn't matter i have laughing too just because i already said how it would be first when if i had my reaction when i get shrunk and then with you guys i can't imagine like oh i would be the mom in this with my foot stuck and you guys are like just take off your shoe roddy (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't be fun in this situation But yeah, that that uh, scene was horrifying to me. Yeah, yeah, um, and also yeah, we didn't even talk about. Well, we kind of talked about it. They um they decide to try and get out of Adam's bedroom by using his Hot Wheels set. Oh uh, yeah, to, uh, they're like, oh well, his Hot Wheels usually cars usually end up in the hallway, so I guess that's where it goes. I'm like thinking, you don't want to check first because this could <laughs> right. be potentially dangerous for all of yeah, you. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like these cars don't have seatbelts, you guys. Roddy it's would very a tiny much be. Car. <laughs> Admittedly, this was probably the most fun part of this movie is when yes. they. Take Take this was. Hot Wheels ride around this crazy loop-the-loop track and it's bumping them all over the place. I'm like thinking, can we have more stuff like this? More kind of like sheer joy of this happening? Mm-hmm. They end up falling down the laundry chute and the fall, mm-hmm. might I add, I don't care how small you are and how Disney physics this movie is, that fall is killing you. I don't care how yeah. many blankets you land on, you fall that distance when you're that size, you're fucking dead, okay? I had the same yeah. thought because like mm-hmm. the whole time I was like, so in this world, that Hot Wheels is like the weight of a vehicle yeah so mm-hmm. if you're falling and that vehicle is on top of you that's like death <laughs> yeah keep in mind that when creatures are teeny tiny that stuff completely is different like you can drop an ant from like five feet in the air and drop it on the floor it's not gonna die it's don't gonna... do that you saying this movie used real science come on <laughs> maybe i mean it would have been nice if if rick moranis had paused to clarify that but he probably does that in the first movie yeah maybe 
Um, I mean, yeah, like the Hot Wheels bit is kind of cool. It's my favorite I, bit I of this like movie. That. I enjoyed I like it. I wanted more stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The, but then the laundry basket just gets brought back upstairs, so they just end up back yep. where they fucking started. Yeah. Like, like oh, wasted time. I kind of feel like that was before the fucking, before the Roach Motel, but you know what? Who cares? It doesn't matter. We, we don't need to talk about this movie in yeah. sequence. This is such a short movie that it feels like... Mm-hmm. Love it. Love We're it. almost it nearly like, yeah. <laughs> It feels like a series of vignettes. Oh, yeah. I mean, look... This movie was followed the following year by the Honey, We Shrunk the Kids TV show. <laughs> this feels very much like a kind of backdoor pilot for that, right? It feels almost like that this was designed to just promote that show, uh, which is weird because Rick Moranis isn't even in that show, but I guess, I don't know, I guess they wanted some kind of brand awareness. Mm-hmm. They decide that they're going to get downstairs by using this bubble machine yeah, the bubble and machine. climbing inside bubbles being blown by this machine. Again, the physics don't really add up here again the throwaway line i'm like bubbles are really like fragile so let's get rick Man's be like the surface tension should be able to hold us our weight i'm like okay i would just rather just take the time to see you maybe go down the stairs yeah just climb down mm-hmm. like what if your keys fall out of your fucking pocket while you're in that bubble you're dead basically right yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and when they're in it too they're just like waving to each other like it's not actually a life or death situation oh yeah no i would be frozen rigid i would not want to move in this slightest. yeah the slightest movement is going to pop this thing and i'm gonna plummet to my doom there's like so much like at first you're like thinking like oh this is the worst thing ever we could die and then like slowly as the movie goes on like they, just, they don't like they get this whole like adrenaline where they don't like they risk it all like they mm-hmm. don't even care if they die anymore like the bubble they don't care like they're just chill like jumping on in it, it makes it's wild this movie's wild <laughs> yeah yeah um and moranis yeah. and the brother uh end up getting diverted their plan is to basically rig the stereo system and turn it into a microphone spoiler not how stereo systems work yeah mm-hmm. no so so that they can alert the kids to the fact that they've been shrunk. Uh, but they get diverted because of a fan or some shit, I don't know, and end up falling into the onion dip that is being served at this party. This scene made me wretch a little bit. Just the, the mm-hmm. thought of that sheer volume of onion dip made me feel yeah. very uncomfortable. I think it looks like more than it actually is because they're like the size of an ant. But but surely, like all these teenage girls are like, um, oh, they're not even teen, they're like tweens. They're dipping their chips in. Surely you would notice two wee guys moving around in your dip. Yeah. I notice if there's like a dog hair on my food and I live with a husky. <laughs> So I see dog hair on my food every fucking day. It doesn't make sense at all. Because, like, even, too, it's like the onion dip is, like, flat out white. So anything yeah, on it, a weird you will notice. Dip. But I'm like, whatever, it's the movie, I get it. But I did, like, even though this movie is, like, that scene is disgusting thinking about it. Like, <laughs> I did have, like, even right now when I'm thinking about it, like, I kind of want to have onion dip right now. So. <laughs> Same. That's right. Uh, That's the product placement of this movie. I want an onion dip. I want a Cheerios. I want a Tricks. Oh I want God. a Ruffles. Yeah, we should talk about the fucking product placement in this thing. <laughs> it is insane the amount of cereal alone that is in this movie. Like, and I wanted it all now. <laughs> Every time they're in the kitchen, the tricks box is facing the camera so you can see the fucking logo. Apparently, that was actually done on purpose by the production designer because they cut a bunch of deals with like tricks and Cheerios and all of these companies so that they could bump up the budget slightly to make up for the deficit that they'd been dealt by Disney. They probably catered the the production crew with cereal. <laughs> 
I kind of wish they did like a like a, a wink wink nod nod to it where just to have a scene where like the mom pours the tricks and when she just puts it back on the table she just moves it in that perfect way that lines up like a commercial yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't think this movie is uh, has the comic chops to do anything like that I'm afraid yeah um yeah so the mom the mom and the uh her uh, sister-in-law are heading to the kitchen to get this medication for the the cousin character um and they run into a daddy long legs hey that's where the daddy long legs fits into this yeah yeah. And the mom is like freaking out about it because she's totally a phobic of it. And then they realize, oh, it's stuck in a spider web. It's having a yeah. bad day. Sad. Yeah, I, I kind of felt a little moved by the plight. of the- So they cut it free and the mom overcomes her fear of daddy long legs is I'm thinking, mm-hmm. is that the only character arc in this film? Yes. Is that the only character development is, is that she's no longer afraid of daddy long legs? Is, is that it for this movie? Well, there's a daughter's thing that comes up. Oh, okay, yeah. The insect plot in that character arc, I thought was like, well, okay, I believe this. But mm-hmm. her and her husband did not believe any of that character arc or that growth. I would still be in the same position how, to how she started the movie, <laughs> to how she ended the movie. I would still feel the same way about my husband. Even when riding in some crazy bubble thingy and some Hot Wheels, you know what? Yeah, no, I see it. I think Roddy would be upset. <laughs> yes. But then, like, the in the second movie, the mom gets blown up to giant size so that she can, like, go and comfort her toddler, right? So any of this shrinking and enlarging shit should not be anything new to her. Yeah. She should be used to it by this point. And I think, like Roddy says, I think she just had her fill. I, w- I would be out of there by that point. Yeah. Also, Daddy Longlegs, as stated in the earlier part of the movie, they're like, oh, they eat other bugs. And yeah, that's true. They do eat other bugs. But it gets down to this weird logic that it's like, they're smaller than the Daddy Longlegs. Is the Daddy Longlegs, which is technically a carnivorous bug gonna view them as other bugs? Oh, if it just like, if it just like bit one of their heads off or something. He just thinks of them as pets, and I love that. If this movie went a different direction, like, it could literally be a horror movie. Yes. Like, like, think about the setup. It's like, the mom is like, oh, don't worry. It's like, it won't hurt us. Like, that is a setup for every movie for that character to get decapitated or, like, have a limb thrown off. It's like Mm -hmm. the scene in, like, Mm -hmm. whatchamacallit, Deep Blue Sea, and, like, uh, what's his face? Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel Samuel L. Jackson. I feel bad. (laughs) Feels so bad. Samuel Jackson, like, yeah. it sets it up so well. well. Never mind. But like that kind of scene, yeah. And it like starts bringing her closer with its arm around her as, as yeah. she's talking to it and all this stuff. Listen, I try my best not to squish bugs in Same. my house if I can. I am very much one of the escapists. Mm-hmm. There is one spider around here. I've named her Shaleb. It's giant. I if love I the fact that you're her, literally <laughs> looking over your shoulder for it yeah. as you're talking about it. I'm so furious because um, I saw her like in July and I remember because it was it was part of a very like traumatic time in my life. So back in July, I saw it and I thought I was like, oh, maybe I just like thought her up. Maybe I imagined it because I was so distressed. So then I was alone out in the living room and I saw Shaleb again and I had a bubble tea cup and went to go smush it because it's so large. This is my one exception. I got scared. So I went to go smush it, but it has this little cavity. So then <laughs> I went to go smush it, and then I pulled it back up, and it was totally fine because the, like, yeah. bottom of the cuff had this little hump. Oh, you made a fucking enemy now. And that was the thing. <laughs> and I tried to call Cohen, and it went under the couch I was sitting on. And I called him, and I said... 
there's a giant spider. You have to come home. I just tried to kill it. Now it's going to be after wait, me. <laughs> wait, out for blood. Wait, for Laura, is it the same spider as the one that's crawling over the back of your chair right now? No, <laughs> don't. I've been, I'm so frustrated because he got home. He, he said 20 minutes, you know. Oh, I'm I'm leaving this gay park right now. I'm like, no, you are leaving and you should be here right now because you need to rescue me. We tore apart <laughs> the living room looking for this fucking thing, but because he took too long, he's never seen it. <laughs> and his friend was there too, watching me panic, and his friend didn't see anything. So I look like an absolute lunatic. That there is some loony sized motherfucker running around my house <laughs> and nobody knows that it exists but i know it exists oh my god this is literally the, this is literally the setup for a horror movie right here yes <laughs> oh and that's the thing is because of what was that movie eight-legged freaks or whatever Ugh. i have Ugh. always done my best to not aggravate the spiders because when the nuclear you know when they become giant then maybe they'll <laughs> think of me and yeah. then they're just like, oh, no, let her outside. Let her live elsewhere. <laughs> we're just That's gonna what put, We're going to put her under a fucking Starbucks cup and, and yeah. scoot her out and, there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, ew, 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 <laughs> as they bring me outside. But Shaleb got the best of me. So, honestly, that idea of the daddy long legs getting her... I feel that. If, if I were to be shrunk down in my own house, that's it. That's how I die, and I'm not okay with it. I this. also just want that Laura movie where the spiders no. <laughs> have become sentient, and there's this, this. it ends this climactic scene where Laura's brought on to like the council of spiders, and then one spider remembers her. Hold up. I remember your face. Yeah. Let me save you. It's hilarious because I, like, just a couple days ago, I was cleaning up at work and there's like three other spiders at work. No problem. I said, get off of the product, sir. Leave this place because of that exact idea. So if those spiders from work gather together, all three of them, and they can vouch for me in the end, I've done what I need to do. Oh, I think there were spies. I think they're spies from your bed. I think they're just sussing out your routine, waiting for the moment if to Shalem strike. If shows up at work, I'm going to scream. <laughs> If you guys just hear a random scream in the middle of the day, you know it's me. Oh man, I should not send you this horror movie where basically somehow the spiders get into the human being no. and they control their brains and no. their minds and literally f like forge themselves with their brain. Ah! So yeah, won't send it to you, but we'll describe it to you. So anyways. You've already, it's, it's there. It's embedded and I hate it. Embedded. Daddy long legs are great though because they're not arachnids. Just say. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, harvestmen or something like that. Something like I don't that. Know. Let's go to the actual name. The most exciting thing about this movie is us talking about spiders. Listen. <laughs> and then the Hot Wheels and the Hot Wheels. We have yeah. to grasp at these straws. I mean, we've spent more time talking about it than this movie spends fucking with this daddy long legs. So that's good by my reckoning. So, so baby Allie Mac during her sleepover, mm -hmm. uh, they dared her to phone up the boy that she had a crush on and say that she thought he was cute and then he shows up like a half hour later at her house how how with his two fucking punk friends yeah, yeah. We, thought, we heard you were having a party um, these little assholes yeah and then they proceed to be a dick to her brother they were just dicks until the parents got yeah. involved and they're so happy i was like thank goodness they're out of the picture because they are the creepiest they really are teenagers 
Like they're just gross. Yeah, because her crush her crush corners are in the kitchen, and the moms are watching from the counter because like they missed their ride of the daddy long legs or whatever, or maybe this was an, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all out of order. It's all fiddle faddle. But anyways, uh, the the uh, he her crush kisses her, and she's like, "Well, I didn't say you could do that." And he's like, "What?" And she's like, "You're supposed to ask permission first. That's right. This is what what year was this? 1997. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Like scene about consent." Yeah, it just felt a little weird that it was fucking Alison Mack giving the the lecture about consent. It just I mean, felt a little yes. fucking hollow in light of recent <laughs> events, right? But, I mean, makes you sad. Like, hey, do you remember your roots, Allie Mack? Do you? Um, but yeah, anyways, the daughter. Yeah, she tells this guy. She tells this guy to fuck off, and I was like, good for you. Yeah, fucking I good for felt you. Felt good about that. Not cool. Leave my ha- leave the house, and then and then him and his friends proceed to trash the living room. Yeah. Um. Anyway, they they. Made Managed to get the the stereo working so that um, the the brother character can shout into the speaker and it acts as a megaphone. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man! And then like he he does this thing where he pretends to be the voice of God to chase these people out of his house. God. Weird. Just a weird choice for this movie to make out of all of the things they could do. Why have him suddenly decide he wants to be God? It felt very odd. Well, what would be worth threatening? I guess cops. Yeah, we're the cops, or just know. or just the father. Yeah, being I'm himself. the parent. Yeah, I'll be home in a second. I will be calling all of your parents when I get there. I thought maybe they were using the God angle to just like because you got to if you're Catholic and you're teen and you feel like you've done something wrong, the God angle is pretty strong. I suppose. Also, the, if 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 that kid had cottoned onto the fact that he was just a teeny little man dangling from a speaker, oh, yeah. the kid probably would have like have tossed him. him. Yeah, he'd have flicked him out would the window. Flicked him or tossed him down an air vent or something. Nah. I don't know. I just feel like when they went to school the next Monday, like, oh yeah, we were at her party, and and then God showed up. It was like, what, what kind of fucking party <laughs> was this? Oh yeah, and the one kid passes out because he didn't take his goddamn pills. Oh, true. Yeah. So we're forced to watch a kid who's practically fainting, going up and down the stairs on rollerblades. Yeah, um, dumbass. And 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 then they're like, "What has potassium in it?" And then they stuff a banana down his. Oh throat yeah, or this whatever. is the magic moment where uh, the baseball loving son realizes, "Hey, science can be cool I too." Learned things because I know that bananas have potassium in them, so I'm gonna fucking shove a banana in this kid's mouth the whole time. Well, that Were you saying like bananas? Bananas, yes. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Find something with potassium in it. Yeah, milk doesn't have potassium. I'm just like, I know you fucking idiot. It's bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Laura just yelling at the screen. No, no, no. It wasn't just you and Laura because I was doing it as well. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Get to the fucking fruit bowl. (laughs) I'm like, they're going to cram a banana down this dude's dude's mouth hole. (sighs) Yeah, and then basically uh, it all gets resolved very Mm -hmm. easily. There's no fucking. There's like a split second where the kids are like, oh, should we re-enlarge our parents? Are they just going to bollock us for having a party? I'm thinking, your party was so milk toast that no parent would really care about this. It's not like yep. you were like trashing. This wasn't like a Project X scenario, right? Yeah. Nah. Fucking... Again, they ate chips. That was the party. <laughs> they they yeah. ate chips and listened to fucking shitty music, whatever. I said no friends. Like, what kind of, all right, cool kiddo. Yeah. I mean, that's the 12-year-old's yeah. idea of party. I sure. Guess. Uh, the parents get re-enlarged. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then the the kind of tag on this movie is is that not only has Rick Moranis kept the tiki statue because his wife has made peace with the fact that you know he had one fucking artifact hanging around the house, but he's also managed to blow it up to like six times the size, and it now looms over yeah. their backyard. Why? Thinking, I bet their neighbors hate them so much. Yes. Like you do not have you do not have planning permission to have this thing in your backyard. This is annoying. Yeah. Um and then the movie just kinda fucking ends, right? He lets his kid go to baseball camp. He uses his nerdy nerdy skills to crunch numbers about the opposing team. Not oh, that yeah. it matters. Oh, God, yeah. Unless somebody Dad, in the family's so placing cool. bets or something. Oh, yeah, maybe. Like, and then the movie becomes Moneyball. Love it. <laughs> Brad Pitt's just there at the fucking side, just like calculating <laughs> all the fucking stats. Chris Pratt's up to bat next. Oh, man, yeah. Adam just becomes a Bucky. <laughs> I love baseball, and my dad taught me math, so... Jonah Hill's there just fucking worrying about it all, just like getting really stressed. I don't know. Yeah, if this movie turned into Moneyball, I'd be way fucking happier. That's like a way better movie than this. But yeah, um, uh, they should just call this movie Honey, We Shrunk Our Ambition. Boom. Because given how wild and wacky the adventures are in the first two, this just all feels like such a fucking come down of those movies. And yeah, I get it. The budget was shrunk. Uh-huh. <laughs> but really, it just feels like even at script stage, this stuff must have been in there. It just feels like there's there's no fucking, there's no real stakes here. There's no jeopardy, really. I don't know. Would you guys recommend Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves? Nah. No, not really. Not really, no. <laughs> it's kind of like, it, honestly, this was like fun to like review and like talk about, but like not so much fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no. I like watch the first two. I feel like those are more fun. Or wait until the, the reboot. Oh, that's right. There's There's been a long-mooted reboot that they've been talking about making for a while now with uh, Josh Gad playing the grown-up version of Rick Moranis' son. Apparently, nice. apparently Rick Moranis is on board to appear in it, yeah. which, you know, I'm nice. cool with, I guess. It keeps getting pushed back. It was originally meant to shoot in, like, 2019, and then the Panny D kind of fucking ruined that, and it doesn't have a go date yet. Apparently, it's still bubbling away in, production, uh, in pre-production, sorry. Mm. Um, Laura, would you recommend this? Uh, no. I mean, it's hard because realistically, it's it's not a hard watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I stopped it about halfway through, and I'm like, oh, okay, there's a, just a little bit more, right? But overall, it's just it's boring and it's whatever. It felt like it took half the movie just to establish the stakes, mm-hmm. what little there is. Like, where I was like, oh, okay, now this thing's really getting moving. And I look at the time bar and I'm like, oh, we're like halfway through this thing already. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Pacing is weird and it just, it, it just doesn't matter because seeing as though it's the third in the whole installment, it just doesn't add anything new. It doesn't yeah. really, you know, explore anything that hasn't been explored before. So... Meh. I mean, I like the concept, but I almost feel like this concept would have worked better as a a movie that wasn't an installment in this series, like new characters, mm-hmm. 
get shrunk for a completely different reason so that like because the ray the shrink ray thing has been done it accidentally keeps accidentally getting set off like how many times can you possibly do that before it it's like okay lame but like it just i you know like the parents watching the kids while they're misbehaving uh you know because it's like home alone crossed with you know downsizing or whatever like it's it's the premise is solid the concept could work it's just that the execution was done so weekly need more hot wheels yeah more hot wheels agree yeah i mean i i wouldn't recommend this it, like you say it's really slight this movie is barely an hour and 10 minutes with credits it's it's just kind of like there's not a lot really going on here it's, it goes down fairly easy but it's very kind of like i keep saying it's very low energy um there isn't there isn't really much imagination going on here i feel like there there are a million different fucking ways you could have had these people go on an adventure mm-hmm. like this just to have them kind of farting around their own house is it's kind of boring uh the special effects are bad but like we say we can't really blame the movie for that that was the fault of jeffrey katzenberg slicing the budget of this thing Mm -hmm. um i don't know it's kind of charmless it's not very funny it doesn't have any kind of amazing moments in it like the first movie has you know there's that scene in the first movie where they're about to get sucked into the lawnmower (laughs) and it's like hella exciting it's really exciting it's like oh my god there's legit jeopardy coming from this thing that i never really figured would be a threat to anybody this movie doesn't do anything like that it kind of it farts around with the hot wheels which is fine that that scene's okay other than that, there's just nothing really going on here. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would love to see more live action entertainment use a premise like this, where somebody gets shrunk down tiny, and you get to see like the big versions of things. You know, like it's like I said, the downsizing was such a disappointment in that regard because they only really did it for about half the movie, which was kind of a, a grift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I feel like the special effects exist now to to be able to do that competently. And, and I mean, they existed when the original movie came out because, like I said, yeah. they were using a lot of in-camera stuff. They built oversized sets. They had oversized yeah. props, and it all felt very kind of like lived in and real. Whereas yeah. with this, it all just feels incredibly cheap looking and the green screen does not do it any favors. Yeah, it's easier to get a genuine reaction from the actors to the environment when they can actually see what the fuck it is that they're walking around in because it was very clear in a lot of scenes that the actors could not see shit or had any idea what it was they were supposed to be gawking at, right? They were working off of each other, which is why it felt like they were just, you know, doing a bit like an improv bit on a soundstage or something like that's what it felt like like it felt like they were really trying but they had nothing to work on it was like one of the star wars prequels or something exactly that's exactly what i was about to say it's the whole star wars prequel syndrome of looking at all of that stuff filmed on green screens with cgi backdrops versus mark hamill standing in the tunisian desert in those early movies and it being genuinely a sight to hold anyway that was our episode on Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves from the year 1997, directed by Dean Cundy. Better cinematographer than he is director, I guess. Mm-hmm. Next week on the show, we are wrapping up straight to video month with this little gem. Now, the one that got away is picking up where he left off. American Psycho continues angrier deadlier and 
and sexier than ever before. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. Next week on the show, we're wrapping up our month of DTV movies with one of the most notoriously bad straight-to-video sequels of all time, American Psycho 2, All-American Girl, starring uh, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves as Mila Kunis, no less. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, precisely zero Christian Bale in this movie as well, despite the fact that he is in this fucking trailer a lot. Yeah. How dare they? I know. I think we'll get into that next week as to exactly how this movie came to be. The story behind it, kind of wild. Until then, we have been Bad With Numbers from Toronto, Canada. Thank you very much for listening. Take care. Stay safe out there. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Remember to stay away from shrinking rays. I constantly pray I'll get out of here